Section three of Sam Lawson's Old Town Fireside Stories by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Section three The Minister's Housekeeper Scene The Shady Side of a Blueberry Pasture Sam Lawson with the boys picking blueberries. Sam speaking as you see boys twas just here parson carroll's wife she died along in the fore part of march my cousin huldy she undertook to keep house for him the way on it was that huldy she went to take care of miss carroll and the first on it when she first took sick huldy was a tailoress by trade but then she was one of these here faculties persons that has a gift for most anything and that was how miss carroll come to sit such store by her that when she was sick nothing would do for her but she must have huldy around all the time and the minister he said he'd make it good to her all the same and she shouldn't lose nothing by it and so huldy she stayed with miss carrie full three months afore she died and got to send everything pretty much around the place well arter miss carroll died parson carroll he'd got so kind of used to having on her round taking care of things that he wanted her to stay along a spell and so huldy she stayed along a spell and poured out his tea and mended his clothes and made pies and cakes and cooked and washed and ironed and kept everything as neat as a pin huldy was a dreadful chipper sort of gal and work sort of rolled off from her like water off a duck's back there weren't no gal in sherburne that could put such a side of work through as huldy and yet sunday morning she always come out in the singer seat like one of these year june roses looking so fresh and smiling and her voice was just as clear and sweet as the meadowlarks lordy massy i remember how she used to sing some of them our places where the treble and the counter used to go together her voice kind of trembled a little and it sort of went through and through a feller took him right where he lived here sam leaned contemplatively back with his head in a clump of sweet fern and refreshed himself with a chew of young wintergreen this year young wintergreen boys is just like a feller's thoughts of things that happened when he was young it comes up just so fresh and tender every year the longest time you have to live and you can't help chawing on it though tis sort of stinging i don't never get over liking young wintergreen but about hold us sam oh yes about huldy lordy massy when a feller is ending and around these year pleasant summer days a feller's thoughts gets like a flock of young partridges days up and down and everywhere cause one place is just about as good as another when they's all so kind of comfortable and nice well about huldy as i was saying she was just as handsome a gal to look at as a feller could have and i think a nice well-behaved young gal in the singer's seat of a sunday is a means of grace it's sort of drawing to the unregenerate you know why boys in them days i've walked ten miles over to sherburne of a sunday morning just to play the bass viol in the same singer's seat with huldy she was very much respected huldy was and when she went out to tailoring she was allers bespoke six months ahead and sent for in wagons up and down for ten miles round 
for the young fellers was allers mazin' anxious to be sent after huldy and was quite free to offer to go for her well after miss carroll died huldy got to be sort of housekeeper at the minister's and saw to everything and did everything so that there weren't a pen out of the way but you know how it is in parishes there always is women that thinks the minister's affairs belongs to them and they ought to have the ruling and guiding of em and if a minister's wife dies there's folks that allers has their eyes open on providences looking out who's to be the next one now there was miss amaziah pipperidge a widder with snapping black eyes and a hooked nose kind of like a hawk and she was one of them up and down commandin sort of women that feel that they have a call to be seein to everything that goes on in the parish and especially to the minister folks did say that miss pipperidge sort of sought her eye on the parson for herself well now that there might a been or it might not some folks thought it was a very suitable connection you see she had a good property of her own right nigh to the minister's lot and was allers kind of active and busy so taking one thing with another i shouldn't wonder if miss pipperidge should have thought that providence pinted that way at any rate she went up to deacon blodgett's wife and they sort of put their heads together a morning and condolin' about the way things was likely to go on at the minister's now miss carroll was dead you see the parson's wife she was one of them women who had their eyes everywhere and on everything she was a little thin woman but tough as injun rubber and smart as a steel trap and there weren't a hen laid an egg or cackled but miss carroll was right there to see about it and she had the garden made in the spring and the medders mowed in summer and the cider made and the corn husked and the apples got in the fall and the doctor he had nothing to do but just sit stock still a meditating on jerusalem and jericho and them things that ministers think about but lordy massy he didn't know nothing about where anything he eat or drunk or wore come from or went to his wife just let him round in temporal things and took care on him like a baby well to be sure miss carroll looked up to him in spirituals and thought all the world on him for there weren't a smarter minister nowhere round why when he preached on decrees and election they used to come clear over from south parish and west sherburn and old town to hear him and there was such a row of wagons tied along by the meetin house that the stables was all full and all the hitchin posts was full clean up to the tavern so that folks said the doctor made the town look like a general training day a sunday he was great on texts the doctor was when he had a pint to prove he just go through the bible and drive all the texts ahead of him like a flock of sheep and then if there was a text that seemed again him why he'd come out with his greek and hebrew and kind of chase it round a spell just as you see a fellow chase a contrary bellwether and make him jump the fence out of the rest i tell you there weren't no text in the bible that could stand again the doctor when his blood was up the year after the doctor was appointed to preach the election sermon in boston he made such a figure that the brattle street church sent a committee right down to see if they couldn't get him to boston and then the sherburn folks they up and raised his salary you see there ain't nothing wakes folks up like somebody else wantin what you got well that fall they made him a doctor of divinity at cambridge college 
and so they sought more by him than ever well you see the doctor of course he felt kind of lonesome and afflicted when miss carroll was gone but really and truly huldy was so up to everything about house that the doctor didn't miss nothing in a temporal way his shirt bosoms was pleated finer than they ever was and them ruffles round his wrists was kept like the driven snow and there weren't a brack in his silk stockings and his shoe buckles was kept polished up and his coats brushed and then there weren't no bread and biscuit like huldy's and her butter was like solid lumps of gold and there weren't no pies to equal hers and so the doctor never felt the loss of miss carroll at table then there was huldy always opposite to him with her blue eyes and her cheeks like two fresh peaches she was kind of pleasant to look at and the more the doctor looked at her the better he liked her and so things seemed to be going on quite quiet and comfortable if it hadn't been that miss pepperidge and miss deacon blodgett and miss sawin got their heads together a-talking about things poor man says miss pepperidge what can that child he's got there do towards taking the care of all that place it takes a mature woman she says to tread in miss carroll's shoes that it does said miss blodgett and when things once get to running downhill there ain't no stopping on em says she then miss swain she took it up you see miss swain used to go out to dressmaking and was sort of jealous cause folks sought more by huldy than they did by her well says she huldy peters is well enough at her trade i never denied that though i do say i never did believe in her way o making buttonholes and i must say if twas the dearest friend i had that i thought huldy trying to fix miss kittredge's plum-coloured silk was a clear piece of presumption the silk was just spiled so twarn't fit to come into the meeting-house i must say huldy's a gal that's always too venturesome about taking sponsibilities she don't know nothing about of course she don't said miss deacon blodgett what does she know about all the looking and seeing to that there ought to be in guiding the minister's house huldy's well meaning and she's good at her work and good in the sinker's seat but lordy massy she ain't got no experience parson carroll ought to have an experienced woman to keep house for him there's the spring house cleaning and the fall house cleaning to be seen to and the things to be put away from the moths and then the getting ready for the association and all the minister's meetings and the making of the soap and the candles and setting the hens and turkeys washing the calves and seeing after the hired men and the garden and there that there blessed man just sets there at home as serene and has nobody round but that there gal and don't even know how things there must be running to waste well the upshot on it was they fussed and fuzzled and wuzzled till they drinked up all the tea in the teapot and then they went down and called on the parson and wuzzled him all up talking about this that and t'other that wanted looking to and that it was no way to leave everything to a young chit like huldy and that he ought to be looking about for an experienced woman the parson he thanked him kindly and said he believed their motives was good but he didn't go no further he didn't ask miss pepperidge to come and stay there and help him nor nothing of that kind 
but he said he'd attend to matters himself the fact was the parson had got such a liking for having holy round that he couldn't think of such a thing as swapping her off for the widder pipperidge but he thought to himself holy is a good girl but i oughtn't to be a-leaving everything to her it's too hard on her i ought to be instructing and guiding and helping of her cause tain't everybody could be expected to know and do what miss carroll did and so at it he went and lordy massy didn't holy have a time on it when the minister began to come out of his study and want to tow round and see the things holy you see thought all the world of the minister and she was most afraid to laugh but she told me she couldn't for the life of her help it when his back was turned for he wuzzled things up in the most singular way but holdy she just say yes sir and get him off into his study and go on her own way holdy says the minister one day you ain't experienced outdoors and when you want to know anything you must come to me yes sir says holdy now holdy says the parson you must be sure to save the turkey eggs so that we can have a lot of turkeys for thanksgiving yes sir says holdy and she opened the pantry door and showed him a nice dishful she had been a saving up well the very next day the parson's hen turkey was found killed up to old jim scroggs's barn folks said scroggs killed it though scroggs he stood to it he didn't at any rate, the Scroggses, they made a meal on it, and Huldy, she felt bad about it, cause she'd set her heart on raising the turkeys, and says she, Oh dear, I don't know what I shall do. I was just ready to set her. Do, Huldy, says the parson. Why, there's the other turkey out there by the door, and a fine bird, too, he is. Sure enough, there was the old Tom turkey, a struttin' and a siddlin' and a quitterin', and a floutin' his tail feathers in the sun, like a lively young widower, all ready to begin life over again. But, says Holdy, you know he can't set on eggs. He can't? I'd like to know why, says the parson. He shall set on eggs and hatch em too. Oh, doctor, says Holdy, all in a tremble, cause you know she didn't want to contradict the minister, and she was afraid she should laugh. I never heard that a tom turkey would set on eggs. Why, they ought to, said the parson, getting quite earnest. What else be they good for? You just bring out the eggs now and put them in the nest, and I'll make him set on em. So, Huldy, she thought there weren't no way to convince him but to let him try, so she took the eggs out and fixed em all nice in the nest. And then she come back and found old Tom a-skirmishing with the parson pretty lively, I tell you. You see, old Tom, he didn't take the idea at all, and he flopped and gobbled and fit the parson, and the parson's wig got round so that his cue-stick stuck straight out over his ear, but he'd got his blood up. You see, the old doctor was used to carrying his points of doctrine, and he hadn't fit the Arminians and Socinians to be beat by a Tom turkey. So finally he made a dive, and catched him by the neck in spite of his flopping, and stroked him down, and put Hudley's apron round him. There, Hudley, he says, quite red in the face, we've got him now, and he traveled off to the barn with him as lively as a cricket. Huldy came behind, just choking with laugh, and afraid the minister would look round and see her. 
now huldy we'll crook his legs and set him down says the parson when they got him to the nest you see he is getting quiet and he'll sit there all right and the parson he sot him down and old tom he sot there solemn enough and held his head down all drooping looking like a right pious old cock as long as the parson sat by him there you see how still he sits says the parson to huldy huldy was most dying for fear she should laugh i'm afraid he'll get up says she when you do oh no he won't says the parson quite confident there there says he laying his hands on him as if pronouncing a blessing but when the parson riz up old tom he riz up too and began to march over the eggs stop now says the parson i'll make him get down again hand me that corn basket we'll put that over him so he crooked old tom's legs and got him down again and they put the corn basket over him and then they both stood and waited that'll do the thing huldy said the parson i don't know about it says huldy oh yes it will child i understand says he just as he spoke the basket riz right up and stood and they could see old tom's long legs i'll make him stay down confound him says the parson for you see parsons is men like the rest on us and the doctor had got his spunk up you just hold on a minute and i'll get something that'll make him stay i guess and out he went to the fence and brought in a long thin flat stone and laid it on old tom's back old tom he wilted down considerable under this and looked really as if he was going to give in he stayed still there a good long spell and the minister and holdy left him there and come up to the house but they hadn't more than got in the door before they see old tom a hippin along as high steppin as ever and saying talk talk and quitter quitter and strutting and gobbling as if he'd come through the red sea and got the victory oh my eggs said huldy i'm afraid he's smashed em and sure enough there they was smashed flat enough under the stone i'll have him killed said the parson we won't have such a critter round but the parson he slept on it and then didn't do it he only come out next sunday with a tip-top sermon on the original curse that was pronounced on things in general when adam fell and showed how everything was allowed to go contrary ever since there was pigweed and pusley and canada thistles cutworms and bagworms and cankerworms to say nothing of rattlesnakes the doctor made it very impressive and sort of improving but huldy she told me going home that she hardly could keep from laughing two or three times in the sermon when she thought of old tom standing up with the corn basket on his back well next week huldy she just borrowed the minister's horse and side saddle and rode over to south parish to her aunt bascom's widder bascom's you know that lives there by the trout brook and got a lot of turkey eggs on her and come back and set a hen on em and said nothing and in good time there was as nice a lot of turkey chicks as ever you see huldy never said a word to the minister about his experiment and he never said a word to her but he sort of kept more to his books and didn't take it on him to advise her but not long after he took it into his head that huldy ought to have a pig to be a fattening with the buttermilk miss pepperidge set him up to it 
and just then old tim biglow out to juniper hill told him if he'd call over he'd give him a little pig so he sent for a man and told him to build a pig pen right out by the well and have it all ready when he come home with his pig holdie she said she wished he might put a curve around the well out there cause in the dark sometimes a body might stumble into it and the parson he told him he might do that well old aiken the carpenter he didn't come till most the middle of the afternoon and then he sort of idled so that he didn't get up the well curb till sundown and then he went off and said he'd come and do the pig pen next day well at a dark parson carroll he driv into the yard full chisel with his pig he'd tied up his mouth to keep him from squealing and he see what he thought was the pig pen he was rather near-sighted and so he ran and threw the piggy over and down he dropped into the water and the minister put out his horse and pranced off into the house quite delighted there huldy i've got you a nice little pig dear me says huldy where have you put him why out there in the pig pen to be sure oh dear me says huldy that's the well curb there ain't no pig pen built says she lordy massy says the parson then i've thrown the pig in the well well holdy she worked and worked and finally she fished piggy out in the bucket but he was dead as a doornail and she got him out of the way quietly and didn't say much and the parson he took to the great hebrew book in his study and says he holdy i ain't much in temporals says he Huldy says she kind of felt her heart go out to him. He was so sort of meek and helpless and lamed. And says she, Well, Parson Carroll, don't trouble your head no more about it. I'll see to things. And sure enough, a week after, there was a nice pen, all ship-shape, and two little white pigs that Huldy bought with the money for the butter she sold at the store. Well, Huldy, said the parson, you are a most amazing child. You don't say nothing, but you do more than most folks. After that, the parson set such store by Huldy that he come to her and asked her about everything, and it was amazing how everything she put her hand to prospered. Huldy planted marigolds and larkspurs, pinks and carnations, all up and down the path to the front door, and trained up morning glories and scarlet runners round the windows. And she was always getting a root here and a sprig there and a seed from somebody else, for Huldy was one of them that has the gift, so that if you just give them the leastest sprig of anything, they make a great bush out of it right away. So that in six months, Huldy had roses and geraniums and lilies, such as it would have took a gardener to raise. The parson, he took no notice at first, but when the yard was all ablaze with flowers, he used to come and stand in a kind of maze at the front door and say, Beautiful, beautiful, why, hold it, I never see anything like it. And then when her work was done afternoons, Huldy would sit with her sewing in the porch and sing and trill away till she'd draw the meadowlarks and the bobolinks and the oreos to answer her and the great big elm-tree overhead would get perfectly rackety with the birds, and the parson, sitting there in his study, would get to kind of dreaming about the angels and golden harps and the new Jerusalem, but he wouldn't speak a word, cause holdy she was just like them wood-thrushes. She never could sing so well when she thought folks was a-hearing. Folks noticed about this time that the parson's sermons got to be like Aaron's rod that budded and blossomed, 
there was things in em about flowers and birds and more special about the music of heaven and Huldy, she noticed that if there was a hymn run in her head while she was round a workin the minister was sure to give it out next sunday you see Huldy was just like a bee she always sung when she was workin and you could hear her trillin now down in the corn patch while she was pickin the corn and now in the buttery while she was workin the butter and now she'd go singin down cellar and then she'd be singin up overhead so that she seemed to fill a house chock full of music Huldy was so sort of chipper and fair-spoken that she got the hired men all under her thumb. They come to her and took her orders just as meek as so many calves, and she traded at the store and kept the accounts, and she had her eyes everywhere and tied up all the ends so tight that there wa not no getting around her. She wouldn't let nobody put nothing off on Parson Carroll, cause he was the minister. Huldy was allers up to anybody that wanted to make a hard bargain, and afore he knew just what he was about, she'd got the best end of it, and everybody said that Huldy was the most capable gal that they'd ever traded with. Well, come to the meeting of the association. Miss Deacon Blodgett and Miss Pepperidge come calling up to the parsons, all in a stew, and offering their services to get the house ready. But the doctor, he just thanked them quite quiet, and turned them over to Huldy, and Huldy, she told him that she'd got everything ready, and showed him her pantries, and her cakes, and her pies, and her puddings, and took em all over the house, and they went peeking and poking, opening cupboard doors, and looking into drawers that they couldn't find so much as a thread out of the way, from garret to cellar, and so they went off quite discontented. After that, the woman set a new trouble a-brewin'. Then they begun to talk that it was a year now since Miss Carroll died, and it really wasn't proper such a young gal to be staying there, who everybody could see was setting her cap for the minister. Miss Pepperidge said that so long as she looked on Huldy as the hired gal, she hadn't thought much about it. But Huldy was really taking on airs as an equal, and appearing as mistress of the house, in a way that would make talk if it went on and Miss Pepperidge, she drove around up to Deacon Abner Snow's and down to Miss Lige Perry's and asked them if they wasn't afraid that the way the parson and Huldy was going on might make talk. And they said they hadn't thought on it before, but now come to think on it, they were sure it would. And they all went and talked with somebody else and asked them if they didn't think it would make talk. So, come Sunday, between meetings there weren't nothing else talked about, and Huldy saw folks a-noddin' and a-winkin' and a-lookin' after her, and she began to feel dreadful sort of disagreeable. Finally, Miss Sawin, she says to her, My dear, didn't you never think folk would talk about you and the minister? No, why should they? says Huldy, quite innocent. Well, dear, says she, I think it's a shame, but they say you're trying to catch him, and that it's so bold and improper for you to be courtin' of him right in his own house. You know folks will talk. I thought I'd tell you, cause I think so much of you, says she. Huldy was a gal of spirit, and she despised the talk, but it made her dreadful uncomfortable. And when she got home at night, she sat down in the morning glory porch, quite quiet, and didn't sing a word. The minister, he had heard the same thing from one of his deacons that day, and when he saw Huldy so kind of silent, he says to her, Why don't you sing, my child? 
he had a pleasant sort of way with him the minister had and huldy had got to liking to be with him and it all come over her that perhaps she ought to go away and her throat kind of filled up so she couldn't hardly speak and she says i can't sing to-night says he you don't know how much good your singing has done me nor how much good you have done me in all ways huldy i wish i knew how to show my gratitude oh sir says huldy is it improper for me to be here no dear says the minister but ill-natured folks will talk but there is one way we can stop it huldy if you will marry me you'll make me very happy and i'll do all i can to make you happy will you well huldy never told me just what she said to the minister gals never does give you the particulars on them myra things just as you'd like em only i know the upshot and the hull on it was that huldy she did a considerable lot of clear starching and ironing the next two days and the friday of next week the minister and she rode over together to dr lothrop's in old town and the doctor he just made a man and wife spite of envy of the jews as the hymn says well you better believe there was a staring and a wondering next sunday morning when the second bell was a tolling and the minister walked up the broad aisle with huldy all in white arm in arm with him and he opened the minister's pew and handed her in as if she was a princess for you see parson carroll come of a good family and was a born gentleman and had a sort of grand way of being polite to the women folks well i guess there was a rustling among the bonnets miss pepperidge gin a great bounce like corn popping on a shovel and her eyes glared through her glasses at huldy as if they'd a sot her afire and everybody in the meeting house was a staring i tell you but they couldn't none of em say nothing against huldy's looks for there weren't a crimp nor a frill about her that wasn't just so and her frock was white as the driven snow and she had her bonnet all trimmed up with white ribbons and all the fellows said the old doctor had stole a march and got the handsomest gal in the parish well at a meeting they all come round the parson and huldy at the door shaking hands and laughing in for by that time they was about agreed that they'd got to let putty well alone why parson carroll said miss deacon blodgett how you've come it over us yes says the parson with a kind of twinkle in his eye i thought says he as folks wanted to talk about huldy and me i'd give em something worth talking about End of the Minister's Housekeeper